Well, we're here tonight to celebrate our continent and to focus on how best we can be the instrument to help achieve the key goals of Agenda 2063 by working hard at removing blockages, and there are many, to our collective prosperity before we reach the African Union's centenary. Time is running out, and we need to work hard at achieving the changes that we desire. There are many attributes on the African continent uh, that are important for us to acknowledge and celebrate. As Africans, we proudly claim Africa as the cradle of humankind. Our continent has an incredibly rich history and heritage, and just a visit to Marupeng reveals the impressive historical exhibitions which detail how modern Homo sapiens emerged over 200,000 years ago. We have some of the earliest fossils of our species found in South Africa, but also in Ethiopia, as well as in South Africa. We have the rich heritage that we all know of, of the Egyptian civilization. We also only have to look at the city of Timbuktu in now very troubled central Mali to understand the depth of African history and how it was once one of the world's greatest cities from the period 1300 to 1600 AD when it was the center of Arab-African trade and Islamic scholarship under the Great Mali Empire. Timbuktu's university was a center of learning that drew people from all over Africa and the Middle East. Africa is also endowed with rich natural resources which have been the envy of great powers around the world <clears throat> and a source of grief for our continent. The continent currently has 40% of the world's gold and up to 90% of its chromium and platinum. The largest reserves of cobalt, diamonds, platinum and uranium in the world are in Africa. Our continent also holds 65% of the world's arable land and yet it is the hungriest and 10% of the planet's internal, internal renewable freshwater resources. If we harness the potential of our vast arable land, it could become a source of economic prosperity for us and food security for our people. As we commemorate Africa Month, we must recognize and celebrate all these remarkable attributes of our continent, but I wish to argue we must make good out of them, and we haven't done so as yet. During Africa Month, we of course pay special tribute to the leadership role played by the founders of the Organization of African Unity and the role that Africans played in the fight against oppression, colonialism, and apartheid. Their selfless sacrifices and the hardship they endured in the fight against apartheid will always be engraved in our hearts. If you don't understand sacrifice and hardship under apartheid, I suggest you buy 
the biography of Ibrahim Ibrahim and read it because he describes life under apartheid for the freedom fighter and you will get a sense of the depth of depravity and pain that was the experience under apartheid. So I think it's important that we do acknowledge that there's been much sacrifice and much hardship and that uh, these must be memories that we record in order to build a better South Africa and a better Africa. It was visionary leaders such as Nkwame Nkrumah of Ghana, Haile Selassie of Ethiopia, Gamal Abdel Nasser of Egypt, Julius Nyerere of Tanzania, and Jomo Kenyatta of Kenya, whose dream of a united and prosperous Africa laid a foundation for the establishment of the Organization of African Unity. Their vision also inspired the calibration of the OAU Charter into, in the future, the Constitutive Act of the African Union of 2000, as well as the establishment of the African Economic Community, whose roadmap birthed landmark initiatives such as the regional economic communities and the establishment of the now Africa continental free trade area. We also had the vision of the Abuja Treaty, which came into force in 1994. It envisioned the establishment of three financial institutions that will lay the basis for implementation of Africa's continental free trade area. These institutions are the creation of an African central bank, the creation of an African investment bank, and the establishment of an African monetary fund. We still have to do much work to create these institutions, but we were talking about them all those years ago, 1994, spelt out in the Abuja Treaty. The leaders of the continent have developed a roadmap which they have said will take the continent into post-2063. But I believe that it's important that we take on the role to implement the necessary programs and actions that will get us there. The continent is not short, as I have illustrated, of plans, projects, and ambitious goals. Its real challenge is execution, and we need to pay more attention to that. You all might remember in January 2014, in a place called Bayirda in Ethiopia, Dr. Nkosazana Damini Zuma presented a letter to a meeting of foreign affairs ministers of the Executive Council of the African Union. This letter was labeled Agenda 2063, an email from the future. In this letter, Dr. Damini Zuma, who was the chairperson of the African Union Commission, addressed Kwame Nkrumah, informing him of the progress Africa would have achieved by 2063. I'd like to quote some of the milestones outlined in that letter she wrote, that email from the future. 
to Nkwame Nkrumah. She proposed that by 2063, Africa would be united in that it would have formed the Confederation of African States, that our youth would have played a strong agitating role for the integration of Africa. I don't see our youth objecting to Operation Dudula, but according to her, they would be responsible for promoting the integration of Africa and African people. The implementation of the Abuja Treaty would have been accelerated and an integrated African economic community realized. Fourthly, we would be beneficiating our mineral resources in Africa through a strong manufacturing and industrialization base. Fifthly, rural agriculture would be fully integrated in a buoyant agro-industry based on Africa's fertile and large river systems. Six, the green economy, the blue economy, the ICT industry would be the backbone of the continent's economy and Africa would finally be the author of its own narrative. What a fantastic set of goals which all of us would love to appropriate, but how difficult they're proving. Subsequently, the African Union heads of state and government adopted a 50th anniversary solemn declaration that pledged their commitment to prosperity and peace on the continent, as well as the integration of these ideals and goals into their country's national development plans. And also agreed that they would frame an implementation program of the Continental Agenda 2063. This would be accomplished through a people-driven process toward a prosperous Africa at peace with itself. They began a process of consultation which saw institutions of higher learning, think tanks, governments, and civil society making contributions to an African discourse which led to the adoption of Agenda 2063, the Africa we want. Agenda 2063 sets out a prosperous Africa based on inclusive growth and, a, and sustainable development. The integrated continent I mentioned earlier, a politically united one based on the ideals of Pan-Africanism and the African Renaissance. The vision for the continent is a vision of good governance, respect for human rights, justice and the rule of law, peace and human security, and people-driven development. The agenda also identifies flagship projects to propel the continent towards sustained development and prosperity. Its projects, and I have seen the plans, include an extensive infrastructure build, the establishment of the African continental free trade area, the creation of a single African currency, establishment of cybersecurity processes, the adoption of an Encyclopedia Africana, among others, to help us understand our own identity and record it, 
EU member states are expected to adopt all these aspirations and each contribute towards their implementation. And we could take each of the projects and actually be able to identify in each African country an attempt in at least one of them. So something is happening. But the question is, how can we move the momentum to achieve massive continental impact. We have a 10-year implementation plan as the African Union, and the Commission is charged with monitoring and providing progress reports to heads of state and government summits on an annual basis. When we assumed the chairship of the African Union as South Africa in February 2020, President Ramaphosa outlined strategic priorities which he said South Africa was going to pursue during our chairship. He addressed the African Union when we assumed the chair and said, as Africans living in this new era, we shoulder the greatest of responsibilities to ensure that Africa's wealth does not become her poverty, that her blessing does not become her curse, and that our endowment does not become our downfall. He indicated that the focus for South Africa during its chairship would be on silencing the guns because he argued that without peace we cannot have development. He argued that we would work at advancing inclusive economic growth and particularly the inclusion of women and that we would seek to expand and argue for expanded continental trade, the strengthening of democracy and good governance on the continent, as well as combating violence against women and girls. I remember the puzzled look on some of the heads of state when he called them into a meeting to get a country commitment from each head of state on combating violence against women and girls. And I thought it was a very important meeting and very interesting discussion by presidents of what each of their countries must do to increase action against gender-based violence. But of course, all those very lofty ambitions were hit within a month by the catastrophic COVID-19 pandemic. We had grand plans, but... After announcing them at the African Union Summit, we came home, end of February, beginning of March, we had the first case of COVID-19. By 6th of March, 10. By end of March, 100. And our chairship was no longer really the key focus. It led that pandemic to global lockdowns, even African lockdowns restrictions on international travel, and interruption of exchange of goods and services in trade. I believe as Africa we've learned many lessons from the challenges that the pandemic presented to the continent, most particularly the need to strengthen our comparatively weak public health systems. We were all affected by the pandemic and we really need to address the disparities, particularly evident during the pandemic 
in decent quality healthcare access. This was a big problem for our people. There are also other impediments arising from the pandemic that I think we need to give attention to. For example, in South Africa, we were quite able at responding to the needs of businesses, formal business that had to close down. Immediately at a package, could assist with relief. Many of them had insurance provision. But the largest source of income to the marginalized person in South Africa is the informal business sector. And when we had strict lockdown, nobody paid attention to those women. Those women who trade on the pavement, who trade at the taxi ranks, who could not get any subsistence during the lockdown. Most African countries don't have a vibrant insurance system, and so they were unable to assist even their formal business sector. So the issue of insurance came up as a very important issue that we need to address as the continent. Of course, alongside the weaknesses pointed to by COVID-19, there are other pressing challenges that Africa must give attention to. One of these is the escalating impact of climate change, which we've seen in South Africa in the past few weeks. The destructive impact of Cyclone Adai in Malawi, Mozambique, and Zimbabwe. And then we had Cyclone Kenneth in Mozambique in 2019. These suggest that natural disasters are likely to reverse our developmental gains as the continent. Most recently, Madagascar has suffered hugely following a devastating set of tropical cyclones earlier this year. And of course, in our own country, we lost over 400 people in KwaZulu-Natal, killed by the floods that wrought devastation on public and private infrastructure. So the matter of climate change has to be featured into the plans we have for Agenda 2063. We also, despite the abundant water resources in our continent, read continuously about water distress levels in South Africa, about water shortages and droughts in other parts of the continent, which droughts have led to intercommunal conflicts over grazing lands. We need to pay attention to East African countries such as Kenya, Ethiopia, and Somalia which continue to experience locust invasions that destroy crops and vegetation, drastically affecting food security. All of these inadequacies occur alongside the extensive endowments we referred to earlier. I think our higher education institutions and think tanks need to devote more time to exploring why we fail to make progress and not devising more plans. We have enough plans. What is it that causes us not to be able to make good on them? I believe we do have new prospects for success, most particularly the agreement to establish the African Continental Free Trade Area. 
This is a milestone achievement for the African Union and I believe for the entire continent. When fully implemented, not if, the free trade area will greatly improve intra-African trade, which is currently between 10 to 12%. It will enhance industrialization and strengthen continental and regional value chains. The pace of economic growth and development on the continent rests on the success of the free trade area. And it is imperative that as Africans we should embrace and support its full implementation. So as South Africa we must accept that we cannot just be the dominant economy in our neighborhood that everybody draws goods from. We've got to learn to share manufacturing capacity with other countries on the continent and agree what is done and produced in South Africa, what could be done and produced in Botswana, in Lesotho, and so on. And how do we assist Lesotho to manufacture, to industrialize, and so on. These are questions we must ask ourselves if we are serious about African trade integration. We also have to guard against any efforts to derail us in achieving our goals and objectives. I'm sure you're aware that it wasn't easy to get full agreement on the African continental free trade area. As African countries, we tend to have a, a tendency to use sovereignty as um, some form of defense mechanism rather than an attribute that can assist us in achieving our development goals. So when we ask that we look at rules of origin, countries don't really want to reveal that they get those goods from, from China a lot of the time and they're just packaging them and it looks like it comes from a local country. We need to get over this fear and accept that to achieve the key objectives of the African continental free trade area, we're going to have to produce our own goods, we're going to have to set aside some aspects of sovereignty and really attach to integration of Africa. It's pleasing, therefore, that the AFCFTA has been ratified by 41 out of the 55 countries of the African Union. That the legal framework has already been agreed upon, including protocols on trade in goods and services, as well as a protocol on procedures for the settlement of disputes. The trade negotiations aimed at finalizing rules of origin are at an advanced stage of completion. I'm informed that preparations have also resumed on finalizing our own commitments on trade in services under the free trade area. These would cover key sectors such as finance, tourism, communication, and professional services. There are also consultations underway on protocols covering support to vulnerable groups such as women and youth to unlock opportunities in entrepreneurship for these groups. Of course, we've had a good two or three years 
where <clears throat> we've been able to focus on the African continental free trade area and the programs under Agenda 2063. In recent summits, we were able to devote very close attention to the infrastructure programs under Agenda 2063, to initiatives directed at uh, mitigation and adaptation on climate change, green economy. So we had very robust and positive discussions in these areas. However, most recently, the war between Russia and Ukraine has really shaken us and is causing great concern on the continent, particularly with respect to global supply value chains. And it has the possibility of disrupting our focus and the progress we had achieved recently. We have countries on the continent which are dependent on Russia and Ukraine for wheat and agricultural input, such as seed fertilizers. And the supply has suddenly been disrupted. We import as South Africa crude oil, diesel, and related chemicals from Russia and Ukraine. And recently, we export massive amounts of citrus to them. The flow of these products has been negatively affected. This for us underscores the need for greater levels of intra-African trade so that as a continent we increasingly become more self-reliant and are not shaken by these global movements. The heads of state and government of the African Union in discussing the future in 2013 made an undertaking to us as Africans that they won't bequeath the burden of conflicts to the next generation of Africans. They committed to speed up the process of attaining the objectives of African economic communities and to st take steps toward the construction of a united and integrated Africa and also agreed to move with speed toward integration and merger of the regional economic communities as the building blocks of the Union. We're also aware that the speeding up of the development of infrastructure on the continent is critical if we are to achieve an integrated and prosperous Africa by 2063 and beyond. We need to build proper roads, rail, ports, tourism infrastructure as key drivers of economic integration at national, regional and continental level. Doesn't help if you deliver a whole set of goods and products to a country and that country doesn't have roads to penetrate into 100 kilometers of their territory. Doesn't help trade. So the matter of roads, movement of goods, absolutely important. As South Africa, we play quite a key role. For example, we've hosted the Auda Nepard office since it was created 20 years ago. The AUDA, African Union Development Agency, NEPARD, plays an important role and is key to unlocking our continent's economic potential by facilitating and coordinating the implementation of regional and continental priority development programs and projects, as well as assisting Africa to secure development partnerships, resource mobilization, 
and appropriate research and knowledge management. I must say the outgoing CEO, Dr. Miyaki, has done an incredible job, and we look forward to the woman CEO who will now lead Auda Nepa, Dr. Bekela Thomas, in continuing and building on that foundation. <clears throat> Another key African Union agency that we take pride in and whose mandate South Africa must continue to support is the African Peer Review Mechanism, or APRM. The APRM plays a fundamental role in the promotion of good governance and democracy across the continent. Since its establishment, it has registered significant progress with more than 41 African Union member states voluntarily acceding to the mechanism and subjecting themselves to periodic review in terms of political, economic and corporate governance. The mechanism has created the potential for holding leaders accountable. We've just concluded the validation of our second report and it's going to be ready for submission to the APRM and the African Union very soon. So these are important achievements for the continent in the past two decades. But they will come to nothing and our Agenda 2063 vision will become a pipe dream if we do not decisively deal with the constant challenge of conflicts in several hotspots on the continent. This is our biggest problem. These conflicts have become a permanent feature in the agenda of the African Union since its creation. The priority of strengthening development, particularly that of addressing unprecedented levels of poverty in our continent, has often had to take a back seat to our focus on silencing the guns and ending conflict. We also have flagrant violations of human rights on our continent, and these continue to remain a stubborn stain on the tapestry of commendable work that the African Union continues to do on the continent. It's striving hard, the AU. They work really hard. And we let them down, some of our countries. The unconstitutional changes of government and the re-emergence of coup d'etat in the past year doesn't bode well for the long-term integration and socio-economic development of Africa. The coups coupled, coupled with the long-running conflicts in eastern DRC, in Sudan, in South Sudan, in the Central African Republic, have undermined African Union efforts to silence the guns. Closer to home, the ongoing insurgency in the Cabo Delgado province of Mozambique is a great worry, and it threatens the security and stability of the entire SADC region. We took very long as SADC discussing the insurgency in Cabo Delgado. Ooh. Many of us were convinced we needed to act and act speedily, but there was a reluctance to allow, you know, that thing of sovereignty, to allow entry by others, even by Sadiq. Eventually we did manage to convince, and I was very happy that we did, because my colleagues from Nigeria kept saying to me, don't take long. Why 
are you dilly-dallying as Southern Africa? That's what we did. We thought Boko Haram was just a small threat, and we took long. By the time we realized that it was a problem, it had become huge. So don't take long. So I'm very glad that eventually SADC agreed and Mozambique agreed that we must establish a SADC mission in Mozambique to combat this insurgency. We also do recognize the role that ECOWAS has played a very strong role in its region in dealing decisively with coups in the region and SADC in Cabo Delgado where our men and women are doing an amazing job. Of course, I must mention that as South Africa we remain extremely concerned about the humanitarian consequences of conflicts on the continent, particularly the displacement of women and children, especially in the region of the Sahel, in the Eastern DRC, and in Central Africa. The conflicts have huge implications for livelihoods and for social cohesion in the affected areas. We therefore fully support as South Africa the upcoming African Union Summit on humanitarian assistance where countries are going to be asked to pledge to support humanitarian efforts on the African continent. And I hope that if I pledge from the African Renaissance Fund, you won't take me to court. <laughs> Conference will be in Equatorial Guinea at the end of this month. We have indicated that uh, we will participate and reaffirm our commitment to support fellow Africans that are in humanitarian distress. We believe, ladies and gentlemen, that the African Union has laid a solid foundation for the implementation of Agenda 2063 and that we as countries and states and governments need to support them and that should we do so with intent, we will support the continent to finally realize its potential. However, our view is the success of the African Union will be hollow if Agenda 2063 is not fully domesticated at regional and national levels by all member states and by African communities in general. We will have as South Africa to continue to advocate for the alignment of Agenda 2063 with our own national development plan as well as national development plans across the continent and it's so exciting to see each of the countries now having very well crafted development plans which they're beginning uh, to implement. We also must ensure African coordination and that we synchronize with the continental agenda. <clears throat> Let me say in conclusion that we should not relent in our commitment to silence the guns by 2030, that we should not relent in speeding up regional integration, that we must work hard at fully implementing the African continental free trade area while accelerating the rollout of infrastructure development across the continent. And development is taking place. We must ensure that we make good on ensuring economic prosperity for our fellow Africans and our general populations, 
And we can only do this through African integration. Let me conclude by quoting former President Tabombeki, who boldly captured the spirit which has to permeate throughout the continent as we celebrate Africa Day. He said, whatever the moment, nothing can stop us now. Whatever the difficulties, Africa shall be at peace. However improbable it may sound to the skeptics, Africa will prosper. Let's make those words real. Thank you very much.